May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. As I was listening to Deacon Kathy proclaim the gospel, I thought if that's not one of the most diaconal passages in scripture, I don't know where I would find another. But when we get to passages like the one in Ezekiel and the gospel, I have to slow down just a little bit. In the gospel, sheep and goat were separated. And in Ezekiel, the separation goes even further. It separates fat sheep from thin sheep. These were the kinds of passages that frightened me in my youth, and perhaps they were texts of a bit of terror for you as well. Because it didn't sound like God was doing the separating, but that people in society and the church were doing it. And did I meet everyone's expectations? Was I kind enough? Was I nice enough? Was I polite enough? Did I wear the right shoes that were polished appropriately? Were my, was my hair right? And my clothes, well, did I make sure that I never wore white after Labor Day? The church was not only quick to demonstrate how good, fair, and perfect their judgment was in the world. We were the sheep. They were the goats. But then they also would decide which of the sheep were the best sheep and who got to be in the inner circle, whose prayer got answered because they had enough faith, whose prayers weren't answered because clearly there was sin in their life that we didn't know about. Determining which were the fat sheep and which were the thin sheep seemed to be the role of many that I grew up with. So when we came to this Old Testament passage from Ezekiel, separating the fat and thin sheep, and from the gospel passage of Matthew, separating sheep and goats, I got a little nervous. Maybe some of you did too when you heard the reading. But it's great that we get to read the scriptures every three years in our cycle of the lectionary. It gives us an opportunity to go back and take another look from a different place in our lives. The fact is, we are never called to separate sheep from goats or fat sheep from thin sheep. That is the work of God. And it may seem that I can tell which sheep, which one of you are sheep and which one of you are goats from this lofty platform, but I can't. And even if I could, I wouldn't. We are all God's creatures, God's beloved creation, every last one of us. And some of you from where you sit looking at me can tell whether I'm a sheep or a goat or maybe something in between. But you really can't either. You see, we don't need to look at each other with a sense of judgment and say, hmm, I know this side's going to make the kingdom of God and that side's going to split hell wide open. No. We don't know we will never know. And I thank God that we will never ever know on this earthly plane because that judgment belongs in God's hand alone. God is the king of the universe. God is the one who decides. God is the one who knows our behaviors, seen and unseen, our intentions, the best, the brightest, and sometimes the ones not so wonderful, and our hearts, sometimes whole and sometimes broken. God knows better than anyone else. And recognizing that, I can take kind of a deep breath and ask what the scripture is actually talking about. 
And is it talking to me as an individual, or maybe it is talking to us as a community? The king in this passage in Matthew is not only focused on separation. In Matthew, it's the same God who gives us the Beatitudes of Matthew 5, who heals lepers, who raises the dead, who calms the storm, who gives sight to the blind. That's the king that we're talking about. This is written to remind us that what God blesses and what the kingdom of God is actually like and what is important in God's kingdom. The culture in which it was written was not focused on the individual. There was no rugged individualism going on back then, nobody pulling themselves up by their own bootstraps, no frontier to conquer. This came from a community with a communal, expect, a communal perspective, and that gives me even more hope because it is rooted in the love of God, the God who ultimately judges me, the God who heals the sick, raises the dead, gives sight to the blind, has compassion. And I am part of a community that does the work of God in the world. So I'd like you to listen just a little bit to part of the passage again. For when I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you welcomed me. When I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did it happen? Or in the words of Urkel, did I do that? I recognize I can't feed everybody. I can't give everybody water. I can't welcome everybody into my home or clothe everyone or visit everyone who's sick or in prison. But together as a community, we can. We do it in the strength and the wisdom that our King gives us. Last week, we showed up in a very powerful way as community. Over the past months, we've displayed gifts and talents in the little football shapes on the wall skills that we can share, skills like crocheting and knitting, and we're going to be blessing the knitted caps later on in the service. If you've seen my knitting or crocheting, you are thankful that there is a group that does it that doesn't include me. Over the past months, we've come together in beautiful ways. We can't do everything, but together we can do quite a lot. Sometimes as individuals, we forget that we can make a difference as part of the community. At the supermarket on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, I was brave and headed out because I needed some milk to make yogurt. Now that may not seem like a crisis to you, but that was a crisis for me. And as I'm walking up into the store, I'm mulling the sermon in my mind. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me and I'm really focused on myself and that in my head and it's Wednesday and my service is, my sermon's not ready for Sunday and exactly where is the sermon going to turn and I know I still have time but there's Thanksgiving and Friendsgiving and much to do and the road is not out and I'm very much in my head as I'm pondering the scripture and I pass by a man who seems to need something and I walk through the door, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was like, ah, oh, Jesus. 
Now, maybe you've never had one of those ah Jesus moments when you're kind of busy and the Holy Spirit pricks your heart and says, this is what the scripture is saying. And you're kind of like, yeah, I know, but it's for Sunday and it's Wednesday and could a little grace be put in there? I, I had to turn around. Because how can I preach something that I'm not striving to live myself? Do I get it wrong lots of times? Do you get it wrong? Maybe sometimes too. But as a community, if we fall, we fall forward. We don't fall back. We take that next step. Yes, I passed the man, but then I turned around and asked him his name and what he needed, and so he decided to come join me shopping in the store. Not exactly what I expected, but as it was. And we talked together, and I thought, what a rich gift I almost missed. I could have had companionship or not on my shopping journey. I always shop by myself. Now I had a friend, and I'll just say his first initial was M. So he got what he needed, I got what I, I needed, and the Lord stretched the money, because everything I needed, thanks be to God, was inexpensive. When I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. If you've ever had to get water from a well, you know how important water is. Now we can just flip a little handle and get hot or cold in multiple places. But in the summer, I would visit my grandmother and we had a well. So we'd have to go out to the well to get water and every cup was precious. But one year the well got snails in it. We couldn't use the water. So I had to go down all the way to the bottom of the hill, get water, and then bring it all the way back up, careful not to spill a drop. Or if you've ever been on a hike and run out of water and somebody shares their water bottle with you, you know how precious it is. It's not the thirsty that when I'm running out of tea or can't get to Starbucks. It's the thirsty that says in their very cells are crying out for water. When I was a stranger and you welcomed me, if you've ever been a place where you're all alone, you don't know your right from your left, so to speak, you're trying to get where you need to be and you're lost, and worst thing of all, GPS isn't working. You've got no cell signal. And a stranger comes and says, where do you need to go? I can direct you to where that place is. You know the joy you feel when even though you're a stranger, you were welcomed in some small way. I was naked and you gave me clothing. This month we're collecting um, coats and things for our neighbors next door at Dayspring. If you've ever been cold or not had the right attire, you know how, it, how important it is for someone to give you clothing. I was sick. Some of us prefer to be by ourselves when we're sick, but some of us need others. And we can drop by something as simple as chicken noodle soup or when my mom passed away and I was heartbroken, someone asked me what I wanted. And I said, I want chicken noodle soup. And they said, I don't have time to make it. I said, no, I want Campbell's the soup of my childhood. <laughs> I was in prison and you visited me. Some of my best memories are from Rawway Prison. Fortunately, it's a prison for men and they didn't keep me overnight. But to hear the beauty and purity of their prayers, to see their hearts, 
to hear them ask God to forgive them. Once you've prayed with a group of prisoners the Lord's Prayer and hear their voices, well aware of their sin, you get more aware of your own. That's what righteousness looks like. It starts with a decision to care, a decision to notice, then a decision to respond to God as God would have us respond. Maybe we don't notice right away. Maybe you're kind of like me, full of something in your head going around that seems incredibly important that you don't notice. But you can listen to that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit that pricks our heart and says, uh, my child's over there. They're hungry. Great sermon. Love the sermon. Would prefer that you lived it out. It's the decision to respond to God as God would have us respond. Some of us break bread for communion. Others knit for the benefit of others. Some take care of the grounds or write letters or serve on the vestry or serve at the altar or greet people as they come in or sing beautiful music. Others give to the rector's discretionary fund, which allows that money to support over or help over 100 families so far this year with food or with electricity or with um, their rent, keeping them from being homeless. The money that we give is multiplied. The service that we give is multiplied. The love and the prayers that we give are multiplied in community. This passage, which I often took as a command and a reprimand, suddenly became for me this week an opportunity. We can lay the judgment aside and pick up the opportunity to love our neighbor in very practical ways. Because when it comes time for separation, it's not going to be about the clothes I wore or did I say hello or meet everybody's expectations. It's about loving each other and loving the world and loving people who will never, ever be able to give back. May the King of glory give us the strength to do just that. Amen.